What's cooking, good looking? Welcome to my kitchen. We're going to cook up a storm as we find out about the flavorful world of cooking. Sharpen your carving knives because we are going to whip up a mouth-watering meal in a jiffy on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI. It's a pleasure to have you here with us every week. And I just wanted to remind you guys a quick reminder, recordatorio, that if you have not rated this show yet, please do me a big favor and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iVox. I'm not too sure about the rest of the platforms, but whenever possible, if you could give this show a rating, that would be very, very helpful. And I thank you, and if you let me know, I'll send you a little something special, some bonus content that is usually reserved for my patrons. But as a special thank you, I'll send you some bonus audio and maybe a little surprise. Just let me know. Hey, I work on the honor system. I'll take your word for it. Send me a message on social media and say, hey, I just rated your show and I'll send you some bonus audio. Who knows? Maybe I'll send you the bonus audio from this episode. And I'd like to take a quick moment now that I just mentioned them to send a shout out to all my patrons, all my students who are with me every week, every month, learning English on Patreon in our curious community. And if you guys want to join our community, you can find out more at patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. I'd like to send a shout out to all of you, especially my super duper students, Mara, Javier, Roberto, David, Mila, Edgar, Loles, Alex, Jose Maria, Patricio, and Loles. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Isabel, Paco, Diego, Carmen, and Diana. Thank you so much and keep up the great work. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, take a look at the website. It's patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. Now let's make our way to the kitchen. Vámonos hacia la cocina. We're going to start off with our intro, which is chock full of vocabulary, expressions, and structures. And remember, as a patron, you'll have access to all this vocabulary in very convenient PDF sheets. If you'd like a sample, just let me know. So I started off saying, what's cooking, good looking? You say the same thing in Spanish. What's cooking, good looking? And good looking is atractivo. Sería good looking, pero nativos omitimos esa G. We don't use it very often. I'm cooking, I'm looking, I'm finding. And you'll see that Americans, at least, we have no use for that G. 
<laughs> then I said, welcome to my kitchen. And if you notice, the whole time, there was this sizzling sound in the background. I love that sound, a sizzle. I think of bacon when I think of sizzle. It's the sound of something frying in a pan. And I love that sound. Then I said, we're going to cook up a storm. And to cook up a storm is cocinar a saco, a tope. If you do something up a storm, lo haces a tope. So another example, my daughter is singing up a storm in the next room. Está cantando a tope en la habitación al lado. And guys, this is based on a true story, that example. <laughs> so to cook up a storm, as we find out, uh, enterarnos, a really good phrasal verb to know, as we find out about the flavorful world of cooking and flavorful es tal como suena lleno de sabor o sabores and then you heard the sound of me sharpening my knives and this is a good word to know so sharp is a knife that cuts really well if a knife doesn't cut very well it's blunt so the verb is to sharpen once you sharpen your knife then it will be sharp and i used a specific kind of knife i said sharpen your carving knives and a carving knife is un cuchillo trinchante when i think of a carving knife i think of carving a turkey and you can hear more about that in our thanksgiving episode uh, any kind of meat that you have to carve off of the bone. So, we've sharpened our knives and we're going to whip up. Esta es muy buena saberlo. Whip up. Eh, preparar medio im improvisando, ¿no? Uh, we're going to whip up a mouth-watering meal. And mouth-watering es que se te hace la boca agua. A mouth-watering meal. Meal, una comida. The good thing about a meal, it can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They are all meals. And then I said, in a jiffy. In a jiffy is en un plis plas. You can say in a jiffy or in a flash. So, before we get started here, what's the verdict? Are you guys good cooks? Remember, we don't call the person a cooker. We call the person a cook. And what's the difference between a chef and a cook? Well, I am a cook. I cook at home. I used to cook at a little pizzeria I worked at when I was a little kid. And a chef is somebody who takes the profession seriously and really wants to improve. Most of us are would-be chefs. Would-be es eh, que somos aspirantes, at least in our minds, right? <laughs> I think Master Chef and all of these cooking shows, well, they've done a lot of good, but they've also done a lot of damage because how many times uh, has my wife put a plate of hot dogs in front of me and she puts the ketchup on the plate, garnished beautifully, and all I'm thinking is, oh, it smells delicious, but somebody's been watching too much MasterChef. <laughs> And the, the worst thing about those shows, too, is what happens when you watch those shows? I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I get really, really hungry. So, are you a good cook? 
I guess I shouldn't ask you. I should ask the people that eat your food, your guinea pigs, tus conejitos de India. <laughs> hey, when you're cooking something, especially for the first time, it's an experiment of sorts, isn't it? Uh, in fact, I looked up the definition of cooking and I quote, cooking is the art, science, and discipline of preparing and presenting food. That's beautiful. Art, science, discipline. I mean, you're mixing so much into one little thing there. And then the best part is you get to eat that art. <laughs> o sea, es arte que se puede comer. I think it's beautiful. And anybody who wants to argue that point and say, well, cooking is not really art. Well, I beg to differ because what does an artist do? They get raw materials, right? So if you're a painter, you get a canvas and you get some paints. If you're a chef, what are your materials? Vegetables, meat, uh, and then you make the finished product using the raw materials and hopefully present it in an aesthetically pleasing and a yummy way as well. So you don't just ingest it through your taste buds and through your mouth, but you also visually think about that, how important the visual aspect is of food. And if you don't think it's important, think about the last time a tomato tasted like a tomato. I mean, let's be honest, they've got fruit and vegetable down to a science. They make them look perfect, but they are tasteless. They are actually really bland, blandis soso. And by the way, we're going to take a look at a lot of adjectives today in the bonus part of today's show. We're going to look at adjectives that have to do with food from texture to flavors and we'll look at all kinds of cooking as well different ways that we can prepare stuff we've got a really exciting show for you today unless you suffer from and i'm gonna try and pronounce this to the best of my ability magirocophobia Again, it's probably not pronounced like this, but this isn't a word that's used very often. If you suffer from, suffer from, padecer de, magirocophobia, you are afraid of cooking. You have a phobia of cooking. And it really means that you don't like to make anything, right? We don't usually use the word do para preparar comida, sino to make pizza, to make something, to make soup. And if you suffer from magirocophobia, maybe you should make reservations. <laughs> uh, okay, really bad joke. All right, well, let's take a look at the history of cooking. And what do, I know what you're thinking. Where do you start? You mean the history of restaurants or the history of cooking in general? I mean, this is this is a, a very wide area, right? Wide, muy amplio. Well, let's talk about cooking at home, you know, the art, the necessity that is cooking. Well, according to the figures I have here, humans started cooking over a million and a half years ago. Now, obviously, this coincided with humans conquering fire. Once humans were able to produce and control fire, 
Well, they would be able to heat and prepare food. And researchers and experts in this field have found remains, remains are restos, of campfires. Campfires, I think you say hogueras o, o fuegos, no? Campfires that were made over a one, again, I said 1.5 million years ago by Homo erectus, one of the early human species. And some experts say it's more like two million years ago. So we've been cooking for a long time. So you'd think that now we've gotten the hang of it. To get the hang of it is pillarle el truco. Well, some people have. <laughs> uh, I love the words edible and inedible. So if something is edible, you can eat it. You won't die. If something is inedible, uh, no, if something's edible, yeah, you can eat it. If something is inedible, you shouldn't eat it. Pero luego tenemos otro set de palabras, which is eatable and uneatable. Y esto es más como se puede comer, pero sabe asqueroso. It tastes gross. It tastes disgusting. So if something is edible, you can eat it, as I said. If something is eatable, you can eat it, but it doesn't taste very well. But it won't kill you like something that is inedible. I think I really extended that explanation a lot longer than it had to be. But let's move on then. What about the oldest cookbook? Because, okay, fire, cooking, but when did people say, okay, I found that if you mix these ingredients with these ingredients and you prepare it at this temperature for this long, it tastes delicious. It's finger-licking good. Es para chupar los dedos. So when did the first recipes come about? According to experts, it was the Yale Culinary Tablets. The Yale Culinary Tablets, which are considered the oldest cookbooks in the world. These date back to 1700 BC. They were Mesopotamian tablets that display what is claimed to be the world's oldest recipes. And be careful with that word, too, because the word recipe is receta de cocina, but receta médica is a prescription. And these dishes that they found in these cookbooks, they were meant to be served to royals, right? To royalty. And they recovered 25 recipes. Most of these recipes were for stew. Do you know the word stew? Guisado. We're going to look at all this vocabulary a little bit later on. Guisar or un guiso is a stew. And a lot of meat-based dishes. There weren't a lot of vegetables on the menu. And the interesting thing was the recipes listed ingredients, but there were no directions. So I guess it's not exactly the same, but they said, hey, if you use these ingredients, you can't go wrong. But then a little bit later on, I guess somebody said, well, wait a second. If you use too much of this one, it's not as good. So then they started adding instructions on how to prepare each of these. And, well, throughout the years, little by little, this has become a multi-million dollar, possibly even billion dollar industry. I know it is in the United States with cooking shows more popular than ever. Culinary schools are full. People are signing up. I mean, it's really become 
very, very popular. Cooking in itself has had some kind of a, a renaissance, you know. Uh, another thing in our timeline here is soup. Soup. That's right. Now, be careful because some of my students say soap. And that's okay, but I wouldn't recommend you eat soap. Soap is what you use to wash your hands. Soup, that's something the yummy that will heat you up when it's chilly outside. And the oldest soup recognized was from 6,000 B.C. Now, I don't know if this sounds very appetizing. Let's see what you guys think. This was a recipe for a stew. So as you can see, I guess the earliest dishes were stews. I guess it makes sense because if you just leave something cooking slowly, the meat is always very tender. I guess the equivalent is the slow cooker of today. I use a slow cooker like it's going out of style. Uh, como si no hubiera mañana. Like it's going out of style. So, are you ready for this recipe? You tell me if this sounds yummy to you or not. This was a stew which was made of sparrow, gorrión, and, wait for it, hippopotamus meat. Yeah, Hippo meat. No thanks. I'll pass. I'll take a sandwich. You know, I'm a big fan of the, the good old sandwich. And I'm not talking about a Spanish sandwich. I'm talking about an American sandwich. You know the ones I'm talking about. The ones that you can't even fit in your mouth. Esos bocatas. So, sandwich lovers, let's find out where the sandwich came from. Well, it was popularized in the year 1762 by John Montague. But wait for it. John Montague's full name was John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich. That's right. This guy was royalty, and he had a bit of a gambling problem. Legend says he had a gambling problem. Eh, que estaba, era adicto al juego. And he would spend hours and hours at the card table. And he didn't want to get up to eat. So he started asking his chefs to make him some meat or whatever they were making, but to put it on a piece of bread. So, you know, he could eat it without leaving his seat. And there, from that gambling addiction, the sandwich was born. And thank God for this degenerate gambler, John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich. I owe you so much as a sandwich lover. I mean, I don't just love sandwiches with cold cuts. Cold cuts son diferentes cortes, como jamón york, estas cosas. But I also love ice cream sandwiches. Okay, stay on topic, Alberto. This isn't an episode about desserts. Although, you can't talk about cooking without talking about pastry chefs and desserts. But let's wait for dessert. Let's have dessert at the end. We're traditional here on FYI. Let's look at some different cooking styles that are popular. Now, many of you know my favorite is barbecuing, grilling. That's right. But it's not always easy because you need a yard, una propiedad. It's not the easiest one. And it gets a bad rap, as many of you know, because when you think of barbecue and grilling, you think of burgers. But remember, you can grill vegetables too, and you can grill fish. So uh, it's not the barbecue, it's what you put 
on it. Another very popular way, and now that people are very health conscious, is boiling things. To boil es hervir. Also, to simmer. To simmer is justo antes de llegar a hervir. So sometimes you'll see that in a recipe. Until it boils or until it simmers is the word. So boiling things is usually a healthy way. Steaming, al vapor, to steam something. I love pan frying. To be honest, that's my specialty. You give me a chicken breast or anything, and I will fry it up in a pan. I'm not too good at baking, right? So baking and broiling are what we do in the oven. Y cuidado con la pronunciación, no es oven, sino oven. So I'm my, my expertise is definitely with the pan, the frying pan. Now, be careful, though, because if we fry something in a pan, that's called frying something. But if we deep fry something, es muy diferente. So fried eggs, huevos fritos. Deep fried eggs, deep fried es que está, it's immersed in oil. I think of uh, croquetas, croquetas, croquettes, as we say in English, those are deep fried. I'm talking more about sautéing. Sauté, usamos la palabra francesa, saltear. So yeah, that's my specialty. I love making seared tuna. Have you ever tried that? Seared tuna. You take a piece of tuna, a tuna steak, como lo llamamos, and obviously it's raw, and you turn up the heat all the way. And you cook it really, really on high heat on both sides. So on the outside, there's like this crust, como una capa. And inside, it's a bit raw. I love that cooking style. Seared, we say. Now, you can't do it with everything because you're not supposed to eat raw chicken. You could get salmonella. But fish, very often you'll find seared salmon or seared Tuna. So just be careful with that fry thing, because frying something and deep frying something is not the same. We already said baking something, which is horneando. To broil is en el horno, pero desde arriba. Uh, to roast, oh, nothing like roasted meat. And roasting is when you put it on a spit and you let it cook with fire. This is, I, I think, of the, the, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is roasted chicken. Is anybody else getting hungry? Is anybody else's mouth watering? Uh, just talking about the cooking styles. We're not even really talking about flavors and foods yet. We're going to look at that in the bonus part. Oh, and how can I forget? We're talking about cooking styles right now. Perhaps the most popular and laziest cooking style, nuking it. What? Nuking it? Like nuclear? Yeah, well, this is another way to say put it in the microwave. Nuke it. Yeah. <laughs> También en Estados Unidos decimos zap it. Zap it for two minutes or nuke it for two minutes. But let's be honest. There is no, there's definitely no competition when it comes to preparing food the way it's supposed to be prepared. Microwaves are good for reheating food, but I would avoid using them. I think they're convenient to have, but when we take shortcuts, that's exactly what they are, shortcuts. We all know it when we've heated up a piece of pizza. 
You know, if we have a slice of pizza or two that's left over from the night before, you can nuke it or you can heat up the oven for a little bit and put it in the oven for five minutes and it tastes better than it did the first day. So I know the microwave is a very convenient invention, but in my opinion, it's one of those shortcuts, atajos. And we're going to wrap up the first part of today's show looking at some foodie facts. That's right. I said foodie, not food. Well, foodie is the person. So if you love food, you're a food lover like I am, then you are called a foodie. These are foodie facts that I found interesting and I wanted to share with you. Now, one of my favorite cuisines is Asian food. I love Chinese food. I love Vietnamese food. I love Japanese food, Cambodian food. And I've become quite an expert using chopsticks. You call them palillos. We call them chopsticks. But they were initially created not as an eating utensil. They were initially created for cooking. Think about it. For stirring Para remover, y cuidado con esa palabra, to stir es remover, to remove es quitar, chopsticks. Uh, black pepper, talking about valuable spices and things like that. Black pepper at one time was so valuable that it used to be currency. Eso es, era una divisa. You could go in and say, I want to buy this house. I have 10 kilos of black pepper. Well, if you lived in the Middle Ages, you could do that. And it made black pepper one of the most coveted spices in the world. Now, as you know, you can pick up black pepper at your corner store. But at one time, it was worth its weight in gold. Another thing that's worth its weight in gold, and it's fact, in fact, it's even more expensive than gold, is saffron. Spaniards, you are uh, no strangers to saffron, as that's one of the key ingredients in paella, or arroz con cosas, as, as it's called. Um, saffron is more expensive than gold. And let's see, I'm going to put you guys to the test. Do you know which country is the world's main producer of saffron? I'll give you a clue. They supply 95%. I had no idea of the saffron market. Did you say Iran? That's right. Iran. I had no idea. I knew it was a popular ingredient. I knew it was very costly, but I didn't know that it came from Iran. Now, for every 150 flowers, only one gram of saffron is Produced And it's a very lengthy process. Es un proceso bastante largo. Another thing that's uh, coveted or sought after, muy buscado, is Alba White Italian truffles. They come in second place for costliest food items. And how much do you think an Alba White Italian truffle would set you back? Esto es otra forma de decir costarte. How much per kilo? Let's do kilos here, because I know we're in Europe, so we got to do kilos. Well, $2,643 per kilo of Alba White Italian truffles. That is insane. Another insane menu item is bird's nest soup. Have you heard of this? Esto es sopa de nido 
de pájaro. And you're thinking, okay, but that's just a name. It's not really made from a bird's nest. Well, yes, it is. It's made from a bird's nest. And just to add a little flavor, it's also made with bird saliva. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody losing their appetite now? Hey, but it's a delicacy. Um, I looked at some prices. 450 grams of bird's nest soup will set you back $4,500. No thanks. What about puffer fish? Have you guys heard of these? This is very popular. I think you've even seen it, seen it parodied or spoofed. Uh, son dos formas de decir hacer una parodia de uh, puffer fish. Do you know puffer fish? These are those ones that have poison. And, uh, well, you need to know how to prepare them because you could die if uh, it's not prepared correctly. It's fatal. Yeah, puffer fish. I tried it once, and I made sure it was a place that a friend of mine knew. It was in Florida, I remember, but I was so nervous. Uh, for me, it wasn't worth it. And it, it was okay. No estaba mal. It wasn't too bad. But I don't think it was worth, you know, losing your life over. I'll have a, a slice of pizza with some bacon and pepperoni. I'll lose my life over that. <laughs> Is anybody else getting hungry? I think, guys, we're going to take a quick pause now because I've got to grab a snack. I am starving, but I'm going to gear up for the second part of the show. I hope you'll join us. Patrons, I know you'll be there. If you're interested in finding out more or you just want to hear what the bonus audio sounds like, let me know. Today, we're going to look at, as I said, flavors, texture, tons of useful vocab, kitchen idioms, American delicacies, and I'm going to tell you my kitchen and cooking hacks, mis truquitos. So folks, however you slice it or dice it, Tomás, esto es una expresión que tiene que ver con la cocina, Comas, pongas como lo pongas, however you slice it or dice it, cooking is an art form. It's soothing, es relajante. And it could even be a bonding experience among family members. And if you don't believe that, well, do you know where I learned to cook? From my grandmas, both of them, my Spanish grandma and my Italian grandma. And my, not just cooking abilities, but my passion for food. And we'll discover more of that passion for food in the bonus part of today's FYI. 